To some, the holidays are fun. They're not stressful. <laughs> and to others, they are. That's why I have a system for anxiety called the Safe Empowerment System. Head over to quietbegins.com and check it out if you are dealing with anxiety during this time or any time of the year. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, and I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and give you the tools to show up as your authentic self. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. All right, a lot of the time I talk about difficult people, how to deal with difficult people. I even have an episode called How to Deal with Difficult People or something like that. And I also have episodes on toxic people and um, people that are challenging in other ways. And um, I think around the holidays when this is being recorded, I think we all have someone in our life that can be difficult or most of us can have someone that can be difficult to deal with. And um, I'm going to read you an email that I started reading just a moment ago. And I thought this would be a good one because I think there's a way that you need to think in order to keep certain elements of toxicity out of your life. And the way you think about people, the perception that you have of them and your belief in their potential uh, can cause a lot of harm or damage or difficulty in your future. And what I mean by that is that sometimes we have a higher perception of people than they're capable of being with us. You might have a higher perception of the way someone can show up in your life in the sense that they will get better. There's a good one. They're going to get better. They're going to treat me better. They're going to realize that they're hurting me or that they're just being difficult. They're going to understand themselves through some magical quantum thing that they're going to go through, they're going to realize they're hurting me because they're suddenly going to be hit with an epiphany and they're going to stop hurting me. Or, you know, if it's not hurting you, it's just they're hard to be around. So what I'm trying to say is the way we perceive people can often either get us in trouble and or enable their behavior toward us. If I believe a toxic person is going to show up better in my life or get healthy in some way, and they never do, but I keep believing it's possible, who should be responsible for that toxic behavior to continue in my life? If it's between me and that person, if I believe that they're going to show up in a better way, that they're going to get healthier, that they're going to stop being toxic or hurtful or difficult, but they don't. <laughs> they just go for maybe months or years and they never change. Is my perception keeping me at fault for their toxic behavior in my life 
Or is their toxic behavior the problem? Is it them that's the problem in my life? Or is it me that's the problem in my life? That is an important question. Because if you have anyone in your life that shows up in a way that you don't like, and you have a choice about either saying something to them or leaving, getting away from them, and you choose to stay with the hope that they'll change or that they will realize they're hurting you or whatever, then who's responsible for their behavior? Now, I understand. They are responsible for their own behavior. Absolutely. But who is responsible for it continuing in your life? Them being difficult. Who is responsible for them being difficult in your life? Some people will say it's equal. Sometimes you can't get away from someone and they won't stop hurting you or behaving badly. And uh, sometimes you can't leave the situation or you've talked to them and they aren't changing so nothing's happening. So that could be true. That could be a 50-50 split. And sometimes we have choices in front of us that we don't want to make. But we could but we don't want to because there's difficulty in some choices, so we don't make those. But um, we do have to look at who is really responsible for keeping toxic or difficult behavior in our life. And if you are able to see that perhaps you have a level of responsibility in how someone shows up in your life, you end up with a better life. This doesn't mean it's going to get better right away, but the reason I say that is because it also means you have more control than you think. And uh, again, this is something that might be difficult in many situations. You may not have control in some situations. You may not have a choice, or at least seemingly, you may have no choice in some situations, and you just have to accept it. But I don't want to accept it. I don't want to accept their behavior in my life. I want it to stop. I want them to stop. So that's what we end up doing is we go through life choosing whose behavior to accept and who's not. We don't like accepting the bad behavior of others, so we don't a lot of the time. And when we don't accept that they will never, ever change, we can stay a victim. And we don't want to stay a victim. We we want to get out of victim mode And sometimes the best way to do that is accept that someone will never, ever change. You may have heard me say this before, but it's important to accept that some people won't change. They will continue being the way they are, even if they get results that they don't want. And all that means is that some people continue to blame the world for their own results, even though they're causing their own results. But we can do this too. If we are in a situation that uh, continues to turn out badly and we know we're doing everything we can to do the right thing, show up with kindness and compassion and respect for people around us and we still get bad or toxic or difficult behavior in return, then we have to consider that we might actually be exacerbating or amplifying the problem, even though we're not the troublemaker. (laughs) They may be the troublemaker, but we continue to, you know, you look at it as enabling. We We continue to enable it. How do we stop enabling it? We can see it for what it is, accept that it will never change, and make a choice based on 
what we know to be true. Period. Now, that may not stop them from doing the behavior, but it gives us the power of choice. Because once we choose to accept that we know they'll never change, then we can make a choice that's right for us. And I think that's a great perception to have because once you accept that someone's not going to change and that the only change will be you and the decisions that you make, you get your life back. You get to create the life you want. That's what I say at the end of every show. You get to create the life you want. That is stepping into your power is knowing if you want change, you have to create the change. When you wait or wish or hope or pray for others to change for you or around you, you end up waiting forever. That may not always be 100% true. You may wait and then the next day they change. But look at the trend. Were they changing then? Are they changing now? And if not, they will not change in the future. If you don't look at that trend and you choose to wait and hope and pray and wish that they change, then you typically end up waiting forever. And even if that turns out to not be true and they do change, then I call that a bonus. You've done what you needed to do for yourself and then they decided to change, which is great. And now you have another choice if you want to make it. But don't put yourself in the position of thinking that your choices will be better if you've seen nothing change up to this point. This is where you have to make a decision to know what you see is true today and what's on the table is all there will ever be on the table. There's your data. There's your evidence. This is what it is and now I can make a choice based on that. What I'm doing right now is priming us for the next next segment because the next segment I'm going to read an email from someone who believes this person can change because of the good she sees in him. I think they're a she, but we'll see if uh, I agree <laughs> when we come back. We'll talk about that in a minute. Be right back. One hundred million downloads. No, I'm not talking about my show. (laughs) Not yet. We'll get there someday, but I'm talking about Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a mobile puzzle game that uh, my girlfriend and I play, and her mom plays, and everyone I tell about it plays, and it's just something that's quite uh, obsessively fun, and there's a reason they have a hundred million downloads, and I want you to find out what that reason is. I want you to do some research. (laughs) Download the game and you'll get an amazing storyline, collectible fiends, and tons of fun puzzles. And something that they do, which a lot of puzzle games don't do nowadays, is they let you play offline. I know that's a strange thing to say, but there's a lot of games out there that don't let you play offline. Like if you lose your signal, you can't play some games, but Best Fiends is not like that. So you can play this anytime, anywhere, 
and uh, not to brag, but I'm pretty far along. I'm I'm somewhere in the 400s, I think, and maybe somebody out there is probably thinking, that's not far at all, but for me, it's far. <laughs> I don't have much time, but when I do, I play the game, and there's always a fresh challenge waiting for me, and uh, I just need a mental pickup every now and then, so you go check it out. Download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. And let me tell you about some friends with an R. These are your friends over at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy where you can talk to licensed professional counselors that you can speak to through video, phone, and even live chat sessions where you don't even have to show your face if that's your preference. I get letters for this show almost daily and there's simply no way I can get to them all. There's just too many and I apologize to those who have written and have not received a response. I read them, I just can't respond or get back to you. But that's why I'm so grateful for BetterHelp. They sponsor The Overwhelmed Brain and they offer something I can't. Personal one-on-ones to help you directly. And not only is BetterHelp more affordable than in-person therapy, it's simply easier. You don't have to leave your room. You can reach out and have a conversation from wherever you're most comfortable. And while times have certainly changed, I remember getting therapy in the late 90s. There was nothing like this. There was nothing like BetterHelp, and, or at least nothing that I know of. And I went through the process of finding a therapist for the first time, and that was quite daunting. And I didn't even know what to ask a potential therapist because I didn't know what I needed. I just knew I needed something. So it's amazing that there's a service like this. And what's great about BetterHelp is that they'll guide you through the intake process and find the right therapist for you. So much easier. And not only that, if the person you're working with isn't a good fit, you can find one that is. They'll guide you through the entire process of finding someone that's right for you. So if you're looking for someone to help you through your holiday stress or any stress that you're carrying with you, whether it's because of relationship issues, money or job worries, or how about all the COVID stress that many of us have felt? Go to betterhelp.com forward slash brain and get 10% off your first month. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com forward slash brain. Welcome back. Like I said, I'm going to read you an email and we're going to figure out if our perception can change about someone so that we can be in a better space. Like I said in the last segment, you can sometimes have a belief in someone's potential and that belief could be hazardous to your health depending on what you believe. If someone is hurtful to you, your belief that they're going to stop hurting you could be hazardous to your health. So that's an important concept we'll keep in mind as I read this email. And uh, I'm going to read it right now. This person writes, I've just discovered your podcast, The Overwhelmed Brain and Love and Abuse. I'm going through a difficult time in my marriage and your comments have been very enlightening. I've been married for several years to someone I love very much and they love me back. The problem is that we are polar opposites in terms of politics and our views on reality. Our values are very different. In a sense, we represent the divide of the country. We manage by not talking about the events because if we do, I am repulsed by what he says. He is also very controlling, although he knows that and he is trying to work on it. The problem is that in order for us to have a good relationship, 
both of us have to hide an important part of who we are. Another big problem is I can't manage to overcome his lack of empathy. There is no bad intention on his part, it's simply not in his nature. There were times I needed him and he wasn't there for me. He is very controlling about the house we share and I can't make changes, even small ones, without it upsetting him. He has been working on this and he understands that it's wrong. But at this point, I can't make changes because I know how uncomfortable it would make him. His thinking is extremely rigid. We can't have a conversation of anything of substance because there's no exchange. He shows no interest in my work or little interest in who I am in general. However, if I say something about it, he tries. It's simply not in his nature. I will have to tell him explicitly, I need this from you, or I need you to show interest in XYZ, and then he'll make an effort. I go crazy every couple of weeks, and then everything goes back to normal. He says he has a thing with, quote, crazy women. This is uh, one of several marriages he's been in. Nevertheless, I see a lot of goodness in him. He can be very loving and sweet. He takes charge of everything, any repair, etc. He's a problem solver with everything as long as it goes his way. We have a lot of love for each other, and we do share many good moments. I'm not happy, though, and I'm afraid that if I leave, I'll regret it. However, I believe our relationship is dysfunctional. We tried marriage counseling, one session each, and one therapy over the years, and it helped briefly. My children are begging me to leave because they see negative changes in me. I've become isolated and depressed. I feel like I'm at a crossroad, and I don't know which path to choose. There you go. I uh, hope you can't relate, but I'm, I know there are people out there that can relate. So um, let's go somewhere with this. First of all, thank you for writing this. Thank you for expressing this to me. It does sound like you are in a tough situation, and it's very challenging, and you see a lot of good in him. And you also see things that, uh, I'll just say it bluntly, are never going to change. Ever. They will not change. What you see in him will not change. And uh, you know why I'm saying this, or maybe you don't. I'm going to tell you why I'm saying this. I'm saying this because if you believe that someone will never change, that's how you make your decision. Meaning, you have to believe something right now, today. That helps you make a decision. Like I was saying in the last segment, and like I've said many times before, look at the trend line. What has been happening will be what happens. If in the past he says, I'll try, and I will change, and I'll do this thing, and maybe he does it once, or maybe he doesn't, has it stuck? If it hasn't stuck, it will not stick. This has to be the perception that you drill into your mind. I don't say that so you'll be depressed. I'm not saying that because it's going to make you feel better. It probably won't. But what you see today is what you get today. I love that WYSIWYG concept. If you've ever heard it in computers, what you see is what you get. They call it WYSIWYG because of the way the acronym works. But I'm telling you this so that you know what your decision is based on. Because sometimes we make, or often we make decisions based on what we believe or what we hope will happen. And sometimes, yeah, it's necessary to do that. Sometimes we have to make a decision based on that, like saving for your retirement, for example. Yes, I believe I'll need money during my retirement, so 
I better save for today. Even though today I might not need it or I might not think it's going to work out or whatever. You do have to plan ahead. But there are things that we can look at and say, what has been happening? Uh, Is it going to continue happening? Yes, if it has been happening, it will continue happening. Now, I speak from experience, unfortunately, because I was this person, or at least part of what this person is that you're describing in your, your letter, your husband. I was the person that says, you're right, I'll work on it. You're right, I'll do everything I can to get better. I will work on this so that we can have a better relationship and you won't be unhappy. I was famous or infamous for saying, I'm working on it or I'll work on it. But I never did. I thought about it a lot. I got all the the self-help books or some of them. I appeared to be working on myself, but I wasn't. And the reason I wasn't is because I believed it wasn't as bad as the person, my partner at the time, described to me. Can't be that bad. She's still here. She's still in the relationship. If it was that bad, she'd leave the relationship. So it can't be that bad, which means I have time to work on this. That was my false perception at the time, that I believed that I would have an unlimited amount of time to work on myself. I believed as long as we were married that the relationship was going to last for the rest of our lives and that I had plenty of time to work on this stuff. So I never worked on it. I thought about it, like I said. I was optimistic that I was going to change. I had ideas on how to change, but I never implemented them and I never thought it was bad enough. And this is uh, almost a curse that some people get into, that we curse ourselves thinking we're going to have time to work on ourselves, to heal ourselves, and the other person is going to give us that time. You know, if you have been harmful to the relationship or you are the dysfunctional one or you're the toxic one, we can curse ourselves, or that's probably not the best word, but we can hurt our chances of relationship success if we tell ourselves, I'll work on it. I'll work on it should turn into, I need to do something today, right now, in order to make this better, in order to heal myself. Today, I need to work on this right now. I need to drop what I'm doing because my relationship depends on it, if you're in a relationship. Because what happens is we get used to being in the relationship and we believe it's not going to end. We believe we have time. So uh, some people will not take the big steps, the steps that you need to take today in order to fix those things. Another part of this is when I was this way, when I said, I'll, I'll work on it, definitely. I know I'm hurtful. I didn't believe it 100%. I didn't believe that I really needed to change 100%. I just decided that she was seeing things that weren't there. And I will, you know, I'm looking at this in hindsight, I will be placating. I'll placate her for a while just to show her that I am thinking about working on changing. I am working on changing because I'm thinking about it. (laughs) I'm doing the process. I'm going through the motions so that she understands that things will change with me. Even though, and I didn't think this way at the time, but I look at it again in hindsight, even though it's clear that nothing really ever changed at all. So the only thing that changed was that I was thinking about it. Even though I said I'm working on it. 
So I'm, I'm throwing this first perception that needs changing at this challenge that this person's having. Because if you don't have the perception that he will never ever change, then what you end up doing is staying in a, a state of indecision. And at the end, you know, I left out a couple details because I didn't want to give away your identity or your personal stuff, but there's a couple things that you wrote in there that certainly would um, be affected by a state of indecision if you don't make your decision. And your decision may involve leaving or it may not, but I always make decisions based on what I know to be true today. And in order to know what to be true today, I have to effectively solidify what has been happening, meaning I need to make it tangible. Because indecision is often based on the things that you don't know. And so you might have to create knowledge. That didn't make any sense. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is you have to make something known. If you don't know, you make it known. How do you do that? You tell yourself, if this never, ever changes, what would I decide then? Maybe you still say, I don't know. I don't know. If this never changes, well then, if you still don't know what to decide, you have to ask yourself, can I accept things the way they are, knowing they will never, ever change? Can I accept the way things are? Can I accept this person and the fact that they'll never change? The person they are, the one that this person is describing... Uh, without empathy, that you have to tell them what to do, and every time you tell them what to do, they finally do it, and there's still no anticipating your needs and meeting those needs. If that doesn't exist in your relationship, can you be okay with it? Because this goes up against probably uh, your relationship values. If this goes up against your relationship values, then you may never be happy. What are your relationship values? And all that means is what's important to you about a relationship? What's important to you about being in a committed relationship with a person? If one of the things that's important to you is anticipation of your needs and meeting those needs, and another thing that's important to you is uh, someone who has empathy and cares about you enough to treat you right and it's all part of anticipating your needs, and if those things aren't being met, then you will never be happy. Because if you have those relationship values and they're not met, staying in a relationship that never meets those values is called self-sabotage. And it sounds grim. I know it does. But we have to look at the data. We have to put it all on the table. And we have to ask ourselves, is or are these things meeting my relationship values? What are your relationship values? That's an easy one. Just write them down. Well, it's not always easy, but write down what you value in a relationship. Write down what you want in a relationship. I want someone who's honest. I want someone who makes me laugh. I want someone who respects me. I want someone who wants to be monogamous. I want someone who's attractive, if that's your value. I want someone who appreciates uh, sexual intimacy, if that's what you value. I mean, all these values. And if one of them is, I want someone who can be empathetic with me, or at least sympathetic. I want someone who can anticipate my needs. I want someone who can protect me. There's all kinds of values that we can write down for a relationship and yours will be different than mine but a lot of them are going to be similar 
I mean, respect is usually up there. Um, making you laugh, maybe, maybe not. I like laughing, but my partner doesn't have to make me laugh. But um, there's all kinds of values that we write down. And then what you do is you organize them in a hierarchy. And the top, you know, four, five, or six of them, they are going to be, uh, if they are met in that order, they are going to be what determine your level of happiness and fulfillment and satisfaction in your relationship. And you can do this with any area in life. I've talked about this before, the self-sabotage workbook I have at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. It walks you through this, but I just walked you through it. (laughs) That is what you do. You list all your values, you put them in the order of most importance, and then you meet those values in whatever area of life you're working on, in this case, relationships. So if your top value is I want someone to anticipate my needs and meet those needs, or at least do the best they can, if that's your top value and that isn't being met in the relationship, again, you will never be happy. Because if the top value isn't met, the rest of them, it doesn't matter if they're met or not. Because the top value isn't met. It doesn't mean you can't make a compromise or a sacrifice and tell yourself, it's okay if I don't meet this value. But if that value isn't met, do the rest of the values matter? If I don't have value number one, will it be okay if I only have values two through five? These are important questions or this is an important exercise because what you're doing is you're learning what makes you happy what fulfills you and what will keep your relationship going and growing strong and uh, continue going strong so that you will both be satisfied and when you're not satisfied in the relationship it's often because one or more values aren't being met so I would definitely go in that direction as well because if you can't meet those values if you have values that this other person can't meet then sure you can have a conversation about it you can give that list of values to your partner and you can say these are the values that I need met and hopefully they put it on a sticky note on their monitor or on their phone app or whatever and they try to meet those values all the time and if they're trying maybe that'll be good enough for you and it'll be great and it'll all work out but if they take those values and they just walk away and they never try to meet them again you might have an issue so you have to be aware of what issues you have in your relationship and when values are involved when they're not being met it's hard to be happy So there's a second part of this, is that you can have a perception, being the first part, of that person never changing. And then the second part of this, are your values being met? There's a couple things I want to talk about with this person who wrote that uh, kind of concern me. The first one was she said that he said he has a thing with, quote, crazy women, and that this is uh, one of several marriages he's had. The problem with this statement, unfortunately, is that he probably is the common denominator. I I don't think that he's been dealing with crazy women. I think what ends up happening is that women get crazy trying to get their needs met from him. So if this is his third or fourth or fifth marriage and he's showing up as himself, then these women probably have feelings. They probably have emotions. They probably have needs that aren't getting met. And because they're not getting met, they go crazy trying to get them met. 
this happens a lot with emotionally disconnected partners. It happens a lot with um, people that are selfish. It happens a lot with uh, all kinds of people, emotionally abusive people that withhold love. I don't know if he's emotionally abusive or not, but certainly uh, these women in his life that are, quote, crazy are probably going crazy after the relationship begins because they're looking for something he may not be able to provide. This is, unfortunately, it's telling. It tells me a lot that if all of his partners are crazy and you probably feel like you're going crazy trying to get your needs met as well, I don't think it's the women. That's my personal and professional opinion on this. I don't think it's the women. It's just the way he is. If he has no empathy, if he is controlling, if he's extremely rigid, I mean, all these things you describe, that is not necessarily uh, something that makes a lot of uh, romantic partners happy. It is not something that feels like an equal partnership. It feels like a um, authoritarian partnership where one's the authoritarian or one's the controller and the other person just has to do what they say. If they don't do what they say, then no one's happy. At the same time, it does sound like he cares. So he has this other part of him that, or two parts, he has two parts of him. One is controlling and doesn't want to be wrong or unsympathetic or whatever it is. And the other part of him is caring. But can those coexist? They can, but the problem is you have to accept the parts that you don't like. And that might mean violating your own values. So this is where you might have to walk in this relationship with him in defeat. Meaning you can't get all your needs met, but you love so much about the relationship that you just decide that it's okay to not get all your needs met. That may or may not be true for you. I don't know if you can be okay not getting all your needs met. Maybe you can. Maybe you can be okay telling him what you need and then he meets those needs. That can work for some people. But if you can't look at him today and how he shows up today and tell yourself, I accept every part of this person and I'll be okay with it and I won't complain about how he shows up and I'll be okay with it because I know that's who he is and how he, how he shows up, then you might be able to get through this okay. But because you are who you are and you want an equally giving partnership where both give into the relationship and don't show up as a selfish person. I mean, he may not be selfish. Maybe, like you said, this just the way he's built or something. But uh, he's clearly not meeting your needs, which means he's only probably looking at what he needs for himself. And because he doesn't have empathy, that's a big one, by the way. It's very tough to be with someone without empathy because they can do things that they don't realize hurt you and even when you're hurt, they don't even relate to it. Like, okay, you're hurt, but that doesn't really bother me because I'm not hurt. It's very difficult to be with someone who can't empathize or at minimum sympathize. Oh, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Just for those who don't know, empathy is feeling what they feel because you can relate. Sympathy is feeling bad for them because they feel bad. So there's a, I feel bad for you that you lost your dog. I really can't relate, but you know, I've lost animals in the past, so I understand how you might feel. 
And then there are those that feel empathy that say, oh my God, I am so sad. You know, I lost my dog too. And you losing your dog brings me right into that space again with you. I am with you. I am feeling it with you. That's how I see empathy and sympathy. So if he doesn't have empathy, that's okay. But if he doesn't have sympathy either, that's tough. But even with no empathy, the problem is if a person uh, is not meeting the other person's needs, then if they don't have empathy, they don't realize the pain the other person's going through. So that's a tough one. If he's disconnected at some level emotionally, you may never get your needs met. And that might be something that you have to look at and choose to accept or choose that you're not going to live that way because you have values that aren't being met. So think about that stuff. And also the um, idea of perception I talked about in the last segment and I started this segment talking about how you perceive someone's behavior and your perception of what they're going to do in the future is so important because this is also where self-sabotage comes in is that if you choose to perceive someone as being able to do what they say they're going to do then if that person never does what they say they're going to do you set yourself up for disappointment uh, over and over again if you perceive if you believe that someone is going to do what they say they're going to do, but in the past they haven't and they don't, or they don't quite often, then you're setting yourself up for disappointment and you're going to feel bad over and over again because your perception is wrong. You are perceiving that they'll do what they said they're going to do, but your perception is working against you. And all I'm saying here is that it's important that you get your perceptions right. You become very clear on your perceptions and you make them clear if they they aren't. If your perceptions aren't clear, you need to make them clear. You need to be as close to the truth as possible and not just a perception but a truth. So what that means is if in your history, in this person's history with their partner, their husband, if he doesn't do what he says he's going to do, then your perception needs to turn into that truth that what he says he doesn't do. If your perception has been that he only does things when I tell him to do that, then that needs to be your truth. He's not going to develop something different. He's not going to suddenly develop empathy or suddenly develop anticipation of your needs if that's not there and start doing what you want him to do before you even say anything about it. Uh, In fact, if you never said anything about it, would he ever do anything for you? And the answer from what I'm gathering is probably no. So if you perceive that maybe he'll change one day, your perception is wrong. Because if he hasn't up to, I mean, let me rephrase that. Your perception is wrong if he's never done that. If he has done that in the past and, uh, you know, several times, not just once. If he has done it many times in the past, then it's possible he can, but What do you see today? What is he not meeting you today? What is the ratio of times that he's pulled through when you wanted him to pull through and the times he hasn't? Is it 50% of the time that he pulls through and 50% of the time he doesn't? Or do you have to ask 100% of the time? This is just the trend again. You look at the trend. What has happened is what will happen. You make decisions based on what you know. Don't perceive that things will change. What you need to do is see things for 
how they've been and make decisions based on that. And that's hard because that means you might have a difficult decision to make. That means facing your own decisions and maybe even taking action on what you discover when you go through this process. The discovery process is turning your perceptions into truths. What is the truth? What is the truth? If this person doesn't necessarily ever do this thing, will they ever do this thing? Make it a truth. Your initial answer might be, I don't know if they'll ever do this thing. I don't know if it's going to happen. Make it an absolute yes or an absolute no so that you can make a decision and move on. And I'm not saying that you can't talk about it with this person. You can talk about something like this with the person and say, you don't meet my needs, you don't anticipate them, you don't even think about them, you don't even put it in your reminder program that says, hey, remember to do this thing for my wife. You don't do anything. You don't make any effort. So if you don't make an effort, then it's not really something I want in a relationship. This is what I want in a relationship. And you explain what you want in the relationship. And if that can't be met, then you can say, look, I don't want a relationship that doesn't meet my needs like this or doesn't uh, meet my relationship values. So we need to have a serious conversation about this and make sure they get met or something else will happen. I don't want to define that something else for you, but uh, it might be important to have a conversation like this so that it doesn't go down an even harder road or maybe easier depending on how you look at it. Sometimes it's harder at first if you decide to leave the relationship and then it gets easier because you realize, wow, I was restricting myself in so many ways. I was happy in these areas, but I was so unhappy in these other areas. And from the way you worded your letter, this person who wrote, it does sound to me as if your relationship values are not being met, which is why you have an overall level of unhappiness. If relationship values one, two, and maybe three aren't being met, but four and five might be being met, you will never be happy because your top values weren't met. So that's an important way to look at it. It's an important way to perceive things and making those perceptions true so that you can make a decision that's right for you. Didn't intend to rhyme it, but <laughs> it worked out. I am so glad you wrote to me. I know this is challenging. And no matter what your decision is, make sure it's based on what you want for yourself, what you want in a relationship, because every decision that you make for yourself, even though it can be tough at first, as long as it's in alignment with your top values, then you always end up happier and more fulfilled in the long run. I wish you the best. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you. We'll be right back with my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank today's sponsors, Best Fiends. Go to Google Play or the Apple App Store and download Best Fiends. That's friends without the R. 
and uh, enjoy a wonderful mobile puzzle game. And also, remember, BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com. That's H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com forward slash brain and get 10% off your first month of online professional counseling that uh, you can do from anywhere. Both great sponsors. Love talking about them. And you'll hear more about them in the future. I also want to thank our financial sponsors. These are the patrons of the week. Kim, Brian, Anna, Donald, Jacqueline, Julie, Deborah, Stephen, Daisy, Carol, and Brad. There's some long-termers in there. There's some generous donors in there. Very appreciative of their support. Thank you all for becoming patrons and supporting the show. It keeps us going. It keeps the lights on, and I am definitely appreciative of you. Thank you. They valued the show, so they decided to give back. If you value the show and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com, and you can choose to give a single donation or a monthly donation. And if you're a monthly contributor, uh, you'll be in the patron program where I give back with private episodes, workbooks and worksheets, and a video archive. Check it out over at moretob.com. And I want you to tune into my other podcast. If you are having any type of relationship difficulty and you're having trouble navigating it, Head over to loveandabuse.com. On that show, I help you pinpoint the behaviors that are causing you to leave so many conversations feeling bad. And if you think you're the difficult person in the relationship, that's why I created a program called Healed Being. Go to healedbeing.com. Start your healing process so that you can stop hurting those you love. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And a quick mention to those who've left reviews for the show. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for leaving your reviews, uh, mostly positive, sometimes negative. (laughs) But I am grateful for you. Uh, Two people in mind, Honor200 and uh, Darinar Yasir. I think I'm pronouncing them wrong. I'm sure I am. But I want to thank you for leaving, leaving your reviews. And anyone that has left a review, thank you so much. One person wrote, Paul doesn't preach or talk down to people. That's good to know. (laughs) I hope I don't preach or talk down to you. Uh, There are some people I want to. (laughs) Nobody who writes to this show, but you know, you're out there doing your thing and then somebody comes along and does their thing and it makes you mad. So that can happen. It, it, It is part of life. It is part of living and it is also part of fight or flight or freeze. You know, we have this built in mechanism that is protecting us or wanting us to defend ourselves So that will kick in, and hopefully you have been programming that to do the right thing over the years. And what I mean by that is, yes, we can program our fight-or-flight system. We can program it ahead of time. It doesn't always work, but I've worked on this myself. When I was in martial arts in the early 90s, we would practice punching and kicking and blocking Uh, hundreds of times sometimes hundreds of times in a single class we would just do it over and over and over again so that when something happened in real life we wouldn't have to think about it this is part of training your body and your mind to react uh, during a fight or flight or freeze moment hopefully it's not freeze but this is why you practice You practice what you're going to do or you practice what you're going to say. You put yourself in those situations in your mind and then you imagine what it would be like. And when you practice in your mind, it does help for that moment. Now, it doesn't always help with every situation and every person in your life, but it can. And this is why 
I sometimes teach on this show to imagine something happening and what you'd say and imagine what would really happen and what would happen after you said what you'd say. <laughs> In other words, if uh, somebody is toxic or somebody is hurtful and they do their thing, they say what they're going to say, they insult you, they make fun of your body or your job or your income or your partner, they do something or say something that hurts you, what would happen if you said what you wanted to say regardless of the consequences? Just imagine it. Imagine it happening. Because when you imagine it happening, it feels real inside your head. You imagine it playing out. Okay, if I said, you know what, you need to shut your mouth and uh, keep your nose out of my business. That's what I really want to say. So when you imagine that happening, what do you think would happen next? What would they do? What would they say? What would the uh, rest of the people around you say? What would happen uh, in your life after that point? How would your life change? And I like going through this in my mind and making it real as if it really happened, even though it's uncomfortable, even though I may never say or do what I'm thinking about. But what it does is it can prepare me. And this is not rote memorization. It's not about, okay, I'm going to say these exact words. It's not that at all. What this is really doing is preparing you for the consequences of what you did or said. So what that means is when you do or say what's on your mind, uh, what happens next, you're going to deal with in your mind as you imagine this, and how would you deal with it? How can you get through it? Can you be okay with the results that you get, the consequences that occur? Because if you can't be okay and you know you won't be okay, then you probably know what your fight or flight or freeze reaction will be. You might fight, you might flee, you might freeze. And it's good to know what you will do in that moment. And it's good to practice what you will do in that moment. And that's what I do. That's the things that I like to teach on this show are the things that I practice myself. So that when I'm talking about them uh, at a very subconscious level, as I talk about this stuff, it comes out as it would come out if I was in that real situation. If somebody was violating my personal space, what would I do? I would probably say, hey, you know, this is, uh, you're really close. <laughs> so could you please just step back a moment because it feels very uncomfortable. I can speak about this knowing I would react the same way because I've practiced this. In fact, I don't just practice in my mind. I practice in the real world. I think that's the best kind of practice if it's safe, if you feel safe enough to do it. And uh, if you know that when it happens, you might deal with conflict, but that is part of your coping mechanisms. You just have to work on this stuff and learn how to cope with this stuff if you're going to practice this stuff. But I remember a specific incident, in fact, where I was at this uh, rental car counter when I was flying a lot, and this person came up to me right behind me, like right next to me, right over my shoulder, and I was filling out some paperwork, and he was talking to the clerk, and he was so close to me, I could feel his body heat. And I said, would you mind stepping back? It feels very uncomfortable that you're close to me. And he looked at me a little puzzled, and I could tell he was clueless. He didn't have an, a clue that he was too close to me. He didn't know he was violating my personal space, probably because nobody ever told him. 
they just stepped aside themselves. So, I mean, this is my assumption. <laughs> this is, I believe that nobody ever told him. Or if they did, they didn't convey it in the way I did. I said, you're standing very close to me. Could you please step back? Because it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> and he, like I said, he paused, he looked at me, and he stepped aside. And then he went back to his business and talked to the clerk again. And so I felt very empowered. That was like one of the first times I did that with a stranger. But I knew that I had to develop that muscle. I had to develop that skill, I guess you could call it, of honoring myself and letting someone know that they were too close. They were violating my personal space. And when I did that and he moved, it made me realize two things. One, that I could do it. <laughs> and two, that uh, some people are just oblivious. They don't even know they're doing it. And uh, they need to know. If you're uncomfortable, they need to know. So this is one of those things that you practice so that when it happens again, you know what you'll do. I know what I'll do if anything like this makes me feel uncomfortable again. I will speak up for myself. Is there danger involved? There's always danger involved when you honor yourself. I hate to tell you. There's always danger involved. The danger, however, is all based on your perception. Here we are again. We're going back to perception. If you perceive the danger to be life-ending, then you're probably not going to do anything about it. This danger is life-ending. I'm not going to do anything about it. The problem is we often perceive the minor things as life-ending, or at least so much pain that we don't want to deal with it. This is too much pain. I'm not going to deal with it, so I'll just let it be, which means it might be someone violating uh, your boundaries or your values or whatever. There might be a violation that they're committing that uh, you don't want to talk about or bring up because it might feel dangerous to you. But we do have to understand that we could be perceiving things in an exaggerated way. And I did this all my life. I always exaggerated the response I'd get if I chose to honor myself. Always. I always exaggerated. I always believed the worst thing would happen. And uh, it was because I never actually played out those scenarios in my mind. What would happen if I stood up to my boss and I said, hey, look, you're wrong, and this is why? I would play that scenario in my mind. And um, after a while, after doing that, I realized, hey, he's human too, or she. They're human, and they're going to have a human response. It's not about a dictator, you know, commanding me in my life. It's about a human trying to run a business that just needs other humans to help him or her or them run the business. And so more often than not, human beings just want to connect with other human beings. It's usually not about status or role, but sometimes it is. But in my case, I exaggerated their status or role as having power over me. And uh, no matter what I said, it didn't matter because they would always have power over me. And so I started slowly changing that perception by experimenting, by testing my theories that if I talk to them like a human, if I honor myself, that they would um, respect me for honoring myself. And every time I honored myself, it's always worked out. I'm not saying it will for you, but every time I've done it, it scared the crap out of me. But every time I've honored myself, every time I told, told someone that they were violating something and it, it uh, needed to change... They stepped back. They stopped doing it. Or if they didn't stop doing it, they weren't in my life anymore. And that 
is probably another consequence that you might have to deal with, is that sometimes when you honor yourself, you lose people you care about. But if they cared about you, if they respected you, if they loved you and they supported you, people who love and support you honor you honoring yourself. That's just the way it is. If they love and support you, then they honor you honoring yourself. And if you honor yourself with them and they don't respect that, that means you're showing up in a way that they can no longer have any control over you. I'm not saying that's the only thing it means, but that's often what happens. Is someone who doesn't respect you and honor you honoring yourself can't get their way with you anymore, can't make you show up in the way they want you to show up, then there's something more going on that you need to be aware of. And that's important because if somebody has selfish needs uh, and you are fulfilling those selfish needs, then what are you getting out of it? Yes, the person who wrote in the second segment, I am talking to you as well. Maybe that resonates, maybe it doesn't, but I hope that you or anyone that needs to hear this get something from this so that they can start making the right decisions for them. And speaking of right decisions, this is why we keep an open mind. This helps you make empowering decisions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. credit card bill. 